Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are with us. Our hope and prayer is that this would uh, be a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And I just want to do a, a quick celebration. Uh, this past uh, Christmas, we had all of our uh, Christmas services, and uh, it was uh, one of the largest attendances we've ever had. Uh, but we had 34 people make commitments to Christ, which I just think is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, if I could tell you some of the stories, uh, I, I would, but I haven't been given permission from the, any of those individuals yet. Uh, one day, one day. Uh, but just, man, God, God used you guys so much. I, I'm so thankful for this church, the way that you serve, the way that you give, the way that you show up, uh, and just allow God to use you. And uh, lives were changed because of your willingness uh, to do that. So I just want to take a moment and celebrate that. I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening. Uh, one, tonight at sundown, we start our 21-day fast that we do annually. Uh, what is fasting? Fasting is removing something in the natural to focus on the supernatural. So you're removing something like it could be TV or social media or, you know, uh, food. And throughout the Bible, you see all the fasts are, are revolve around food. So you take something out of your life, whether it's a, a meal or the entire day I'm not going to eat or I'm going to take social media out completely or something like that. So that when you're tempted to go do those things, uh, you go to God and you spend time with him and you seek after him and, and ask him to show up in your life. It's one of the best ways that we uh, start our year. So I want to encourage you to do that. And as a part of that this year, uh, we're going to invite everybody to our ministry center Monday through Friday at noon. So if you have a work schedule that allows you to do this, uh, come join us Monday through Friday at noon. We're going to do a quick devotional and it's just a time of prayer, uh, some uh, some guided prayer from our, our staff, uh, some of our pastors and our elders. And so, uh, man, I'd love for you to be a part of that. I'd love for you to join us on that. Uh, I think that's one of the best ways to start our year off. Uh, so if you've never done that before, join us. If you're used to it, then uh, we start tonight uh, at, at sundown. And the second thing I want to let you know about is on January 22nd, we have a missions interest meeting. So if you're interested in going on a mission trip with us, uh, Pastor Brandon just talked about one of the mission organizations that we have. Uh, if you're interested in going on a mission uh, trip with us, uh, finding out more information, then uh, just scan the QR code that you find on your worship guide. And when you scan that, you'll see a tab that says missions. Just click on that. And then there's a form. Just fill that out. Say, hey, I'm interested in the, the, the meeting. We'll give you more information. Uh, that's not you committing to a trip. That's just you saying, uh, I'd like to know more. And I'd like to uh, potentially... Uh, uh, find out more and, and maybe even go. Uh, man, I'm so excited about this message and this series that we're starting. Uh, for me, I love the new year because it's an opportunity to like change things and like dream about the future. And like it, pretty much most of us are hopeful about what this year is going to bring and all of that. And I'm a goals guy. Uh, I love setting goals. Uh, I set goals annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly. I love goals. Anybody else love goals? Anybody? There's like four of us. Yeah. Okay, there's a few more of the service. Uh, and then some of you are like, goals are from Satan. Uh, I hate goals and I get it. I totally get that. Uh, but I just believe that goals like help move you forward uh, in life and, and, and some of the things that you want to accomplish. And the other day, my, my daughter and I, we were at a Nuggets game and uh, they put on the Jumbotron this question like, what do you want? What, what's your goal for the new year? Uh, and they had three options and you were supposed to scream, like cheer, if that was like the thing that you wanted. So the first option was, I want to lose weight. And there were like three people in the whole arena. They're like, yay. I'm looking around I'm like, what a weird question to ask people that are eating hot dogs and nachos. You know, like, yeah, I want to lose weight. You know, like, uh, and the second question was, I want to read more. And there was a lot more people. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe this many people actually read. Uh, and then the last question was, or the last response was, nothing. 
I'm perfect the way I am. And the arena erupted, you know, <laughs> and I, I laughed at it, Waverly laughed. But I thought, like, is that true? Like, do we, does this many people believe that they're perfect? No, it's impossible. I don't know a person that believes that they're perfect. And so why do people cheer and, and, and say, man, I don't want to change anything? I think it's because in some ways we're like, we're, we're averse to goals uh, because of this thing called New Year's resolutions. Let me just show you what I mean. How many of you, by, by, by show, raising your hands, how many of you have ever set a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are like, my New Year's resolution was not raising my hand in church. Okay, uh, so now, second question, if you just raise your hand, how many of you have ever not accomplished or broken a New Year's resolution? There's actually more hands raised. <laughs> I'm confused about that one, but whatever. Uh, so here's the deal. If you like make all these resolutions and these goals and you don't achieve them, then the next time you're like, man, I'm, just, I'm good. I don't need to make any more goals. I'm good. And you begin to question, like, is growth possible? Like, is change possible? Like, is my marriage ever going to get better? Is this relationship ever going to be healthy? Am I ever going to have more money in my bank account? Am I ever going to be able to do whatever it is? We, we start to wonder, and I think because of that, because so many of us have tried to set goals and, and maybe they haven't come through or whatever, we kind of project this mentality onto God as well. Like, if maybe I can't change, maybe God isn't for me. Maybe God doesn't see me. Maybe you've prayed before and God didn't answer your prayer and the timing and the way that you wanted. And so it begins to, you begin to ask questions like, does God care about me? Does God see me? Does God know me? And so I'm super excited about this series uh, that we're starting because we're going to address some of that. The series is called Exodus. Uh, and what we're doing over the next five weeks is we're going to study the first 14 chapters in the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at this, this idea or these three concepts, really, of freedom, identity, and purpose. And so we're going to look at freedom. How do you and I find freedom from sin? How do we find freedom from the things that enslave us? We're going to look at identity and where our identity should be rooted. How do we truly know who we're created to be? And then we're going to look at this concept of purpose. And everybody longs for purpose and most people never find it. So we're going to look at these three things, three things that people struggle with by studying the book of Exodus. Now, let me set it up a little bit for you. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. So the very beginning of your Bible is where you're going to find uh, Exodus. And every message series, we're creating what we're calling a message series hub. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Get out your phone uh, and the, uh, the worship guide that's on your seat or maybe you're sitting on it or maybe your neighbor is. Grab it and scan the QR code on the inside. Take a moment and do this uh, right now. Scan the QR code. I'm going to show you what this message series hub looks like. Once you scan that QR code, unless you're a T-Mobile person, then you have to wait until after service and after you leave here, then you can do it. But if you're anybody else, go ahead and scan it now, uh, and uh, you'll see Message Series Hub. Click on that. And then here's what this is. This is a resource page for you. On this page, we have videos, we have podcasts, we have books, because we realize not everybody reads. So if you don't read, then listen to a podcast. If you're like, I don't read or listen to a podcast, watch a video. It's kind of something for everyone. And here's why we've created it. We want to help you grow. If you didn't listen to my message last weekend, uh, we talked about how if you want your life to be changed, it's got to be founded on God's word. Uh, and so we want to help you with that. We've said as a church, it's not our job to feed you. It's our job to make you hungry. And we don't believe anybody in here is babies, right? So like no one is going to feed you today at lunch. Like your wife's not going to be like, open up. You know, that would be awkward if she does that, right? No one's going to feed you a meal today. And as a church, it's never our job to feed you. It's our job to make you hungry. It's our job to, not to be a consumer, 
but to make you hungry. To like teach you God's word. Obviously, there's feeding in that. But for you to go, man, I want to, I want to dig deeper. I want to go more. And that's the only way that you grow is when you take it upon yourself to do that. So we've created this message series hub to give you all kinds of resources to help you grow in your faith. So Exodus is the second book of the Bible. The first book is this book called Genesis. Uh, it's really the story of creation. Toward the end of, of Genesis, you see this guy named Joseph. Joseph is bringing his entire family, his dad, all of his uh, siblings and everybody down to Egypt. Joseph's the second guy in charge of Egypt behind Pharaoh. The reason why he's in that position is because he helped save the country from a famine. Okay, so Pharaoh says, hey, bring all of your kin down here and we'll take care of you. Like you'll be able to thrive here, you'll love it here and all of that. So they move down. All right, that's the end of Genesis. Now Exodus, uh, it opens up uh, and we read it like it's the next day, but it's actually 400 years later. So Exodus is, the story of Exodus starts 400 years after Joseph moves his family down to Egypt. Now, Exodus is one of the most important books of the Bible. You may have never read it. You may have never walked through it, but it's one of the most important books of the Bible. Because when you look throughout Scripture, there are so many Scriptures that point back to Exodus. They point back to this time. They point back to the freedom, the purpose, the promises of God. And so to understand the story of God, you have to understand Exodus. Like to really grasp the story of God and what he wants to do in you and through you, you need to be able to understand the Exodus story. So 400 years later is when we pick up with the story. And here's what we read in Exodus chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. So this nation of Israel, they've become this big nation inside of another nation called Egypt. So they're, they're just growing. They're having so many babies and all of that. Well, this new Pharaoh, he doesn't care about what Joseph did 400 years later. He doesn't care about what previous Pharaohs have done. He is, he's in fear that this group of Israelites is going to rise up and take over his land. So he begins to tell the midwives, remember, they don't have hospitals. They don't have labor and delivery rooms. So the midwives were the ones that helped with the delivery of kids. He began to tell the midwives, for every Israelite girl that is born, let her live. But for every Israelite boy that is born, kill him. The midwives were like, we didn't get into this, this deal to like kill kids. So they don't listen to him. And so Pharaoh sees that they're continuing to grow. He's got this fear that they're going to take over. So now he makes this command throughout an entire nation. For any Israelite girl born, she can live. For every Israelite boy that is born, he's to be thrown into the Nile. That is a command from Pharaoh. You don't obey that, you will die. He commands everybody now to do this. Imagine where the Israelites are at this point. I mean, they're stuck in slavery to a, a Pharaoh that is fearful of them, and, and he's got them working hard labor. Uh, not only that, but their sons are being killed. The moment they're born, they're, they're being thrown into the Nile to be killed. Like, there's no hope. And this isn't like an Ohio State fan that lost to Georgia last weekend. You know, it's not, it's not like that lack of hope. That's temporary. That's temporary. This is like decades of no hope. So imagine where they are. And it's in their story that we find two powerful truths that relate to our story. It's in their story that we see two truths that can radically transform this year for us. That can set you up in a way that you can have your best year no matter what comes against you. No matter what you walk through. No matter what you're dealing with. And the first, the first uh, uh, powerful truth we see in their story is this, that God's promises will never fail. 
God's promises will never fail. Now, with this story, it's like all the stories in Scripture, we, we get a little vantage point, right? Like we get to see the story before, during, and after. So we know the whole thing, but the Israelites don't know this. So they're slaves at this point. Their sons are being killed. Like they must be going, God, where are you? God, do you see us? God, do you care about us? And I think they're asking that question because we ask that question. As humans, when we walk through things, when we struggle through things in life, we ask the question, or we're at least tempted to, God, where are you? God, do you see me? Do you hear my cries? Do you hear my prayers to you? Are you going to show up in some way? Like, God, where are you? And the best predictor of the future is what? The past. The best predictor of the future is the past. Now, it doesn't mean people can't change. It doesn't mean situations can't change. But the best predictor of what's going to happen is what has already happened. For example, growing up, I had a, a family member that uh, really never showed up to anything, didn't show up to events, didn't show up to uh, sporting uh, things that we were involved in, didn't show up to our birthdays. And so, you know, they, was, uh, they were always on a work trip, always out of town, always doing something else. And so when they would say, hey, Ernest, I'm coming to your baseball game today, I would go, mm, Ernest, don't get your hopes up. And there was a way to like protect myself from like the eventual hurt that I knew I would go through. But it was also this truth that the best predictor of the future is what you've done in the past, is what somebody else has done in the past. Well, translate that to God. The best predictor of what God is going to do is what God has already done. And so when you look at what God has already done, you, ask, you have, to, have to ask the question, like, has he ever failed? Has he ever not come through? Has he ever not been good on his promises? The easy answer is, is no. I mean, no matter how dark things get, no matter how much storm you walk through, no matter how crazy life can seem, you can't ask the question like, is God faithful in this moment? Because you might say no, but you have to ask, was God faithful yesterday? Did God show up in my life yesterday? And if the answer is yes, then God will show up in your life today and tomorrow. So that's where the Israelites are. And they must be wondering, is God going to show up? Well, what do they do? They turn to God's word. Well, they didn't have God's word like we do, like in, in, in this pretty little Bible. They didn't have that. They had oral tradition, what God had said to the forefathers, what God had promised. So what did God say to the forefathers? Well, let's go back 600 years, 600 years before Exodus, and we meet this guy named Abraham. And Abraham, is a, uh, he's really like the father of the nation of Israel. And here's what God uh, says to him in Genesis chapter 15. Verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. So 600 years before we're reading this right now, and we're like, oh, this is like the next day. No, 600 years earlier, God says, by the way, at some point, you're going to be in a nation that's going to mistreat you. In fact, they're going to make you slaves for 400 years. God's like, I got this. Like, it doesn't make their situation right, but it allows them to go, okay, God is in control. Like, if God said this 600 years earlier, and here we are, then God's not like, oh, man, I can't believe you guys are slaves. Like, I had no clue this was going to happen. I'm totally shocked. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me take some time out and figure out a plan and come back and help you guys. Well, God was like, hey, guys, by the way, in 600 years or at some point, you know, 600 years later, you're going to be slaves. Well, don't worry, I'm going to take you out of there and you're going to come out with great possessions. Now, again, we have the, the benefit of knowing the story and we know that they came out very wealthy 
from Egypt. But in this moment, God, where are you? Okay, God said that this was going to happen. Now we need a promise. Like it's not enough to just know that it's going to happen. Like God saw this. What did God say about it? Well, now you go two generations forward. You go to Abraham's grandson in Genesis 35, verses 11 and 12. This is what God said. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. The kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. So he says, you're going to be a great nation. And not only are you going to be a great nation, you're going to have kings after king after king come out of you. Not only that, you're going to come back to the promised land, the land that I promised you. Now, again, we have the benefit of knowing their story, that God rescued them out of Egypt, that God brought them into the promised land. They had so many kings. Eventually, the king of kings, Jesus, would be born out of this nation. But these people must be going, where is God? In the midst of their darkness, in the midst of their slavery, in the midst of their issues that they're facing right now, the question is, will you believe the promises of God? Like they've already been told, like God's already said, hey, this is going to happen to you. So now they're in it. And then God said, hey, but don't worry, I'm going to rescue you. Will they believe that? Will they hold true to God's promises being real? How about you? How about you and I when we walk through darkness when we walk through storms, like, I, I don't know what you're going to face this year. Some of you, this is going to be your best year ever. Others of you, you don't know what's coming down the road. But here's what I do know, that God will be faithful to you. And when you're in the midst of the darkness, when you're in the midst of the storm, when the waves are crashing all around you and you can't see uh, what the next step in front of you, you don't know what to do, the question is, will you believe the promises of God? Will you believe that he is faithful? Will you believe like Abraham believed when God said, you're going to have a son? Abraham is 90 years old and no son. That would be hard to keep believing at that point. But God came through. Will you be like the small remnant of Israelites between the Old Testament and the New Testament? It's a period of like 400 years. And these people were told, hey, there's going to be a Messiah. But for 400 years, God's silent. Will you be like that remnant, that small group of people that were like, nope, God's going to come through. God's going to bring a Messiah. God's going to bring Jesus. Will you believe the promises of God? Will you believe the promises that God will never leave you or forsake you, no matter how lonely you feel, no matter what you go through? Will you believe the promises of God that, that God cares about a sparrow? And if he cares about a little bird, how much more does he care about you? And he's going to take care of your needs. Will you believe that God promises plans for you, plans for good, plans for a future and hope? Will you believe that, that Jesus bore the stripes on the cross for your healing? Not just spiritual healing, but mental healing and physical healing. Will you believe that? It doesn't mean that it's going to come in your time. It doesn't mean it's going to come when you want it to come or how you want it to come, but will you trust that the faithful promises of God will never fail? You see, whatever you go through this year, the temptation is going to be to question God and to question his goodness and his faithfulness in your life. Keep going back to his promises. His promises will never fail you. Whatever you walk through, whatever you deal with this year, his promises will never fail you. And a major theme about the book of Exodus is this fact that God's promises never fail. I mean, when we, as we're studying this, you'll see it. 
Time after time after time, God keeps showing up. He keeps showing up. In the darkest of moments, in the hardest of moments, in the time where the people probably lost all faith, God shows up because his promises never fail. The second truth that we see in this passage, and it's probably one of my favorite truths uh, in Scripture, but it's one of the hardest ones to live out. It's this, God always, God always moves through small acts of faithfulness. God always moves through small acts of faithfulness. I know it's a mouthful, but stay with me because I believe that this one point, if you and I believe this and we live this out, it will change 2023 for us. It will help us uh, for this to be our best year ever, no matter what we go through. That that God always moves through small acts of faithfulness. Exodus chapter one, Pharaoh gives this command. Hey, all the midwives, you're, you're required to kill every boy born to the nation of Israel. And the midwives say, we're not doing that. Why? Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. And Pharaoh now is coming against the will of God. So these midwives, they have a choice. Do we we listen to God or do we listen to Pharaoh who could kill us? And they chose to listen to God because of their reverence, because of their fear of him, because of their honor and and the glory they wanted to give him. They listened to him. And here's, here's what's fascinating. We don't ever know any of their names. Now, one of these midwives' names is listed in Scripture. I think it's fascinating because... These ladies not only saved a bunch of boys, they saved a boy named Moses who saved a nation. And now I love this passage in in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Wow, Ernest, that's powerful. That's really strong. Like, that's deep. Like, come on. But how many times have we read scripture? Like, sometimes we just blow right past. It says, now... A Levite man, a man of the the tribe of of Levi, the priestly tribe, he marries a woman from the same priestly tribe. What's the significance of that? Well, God had already commanded them. He said, do not intermarry between other nations. So he could have gotten a wife from Egypt. He could have found somebody else. But what did he do? He had small acts of faithfulness. He was simply obedient. And because of him marrying her and her marrying him, They had a little boy named Moses. You never know their name either. And when I read a story like the story of Exodus, I think about, okay, who who do I want to be in this story? And I'm I'm a a three on the Enneagram. I'm a high D personality, A personality. So like when I think about like who I want to be, I want to be Moses, right? I want to be like standing in front of Pharaoh, like let my people go. Like in a different voice, you know, like I want to be like Gandalf standing on the bridge, like you shall not pass, you know, like I want to be that guy. I want to be the person that's like reaching millions of people. I want to like, I, I, I want to be the guy that's doing all like that when I die, people are like, wow, we really miss him. Like he did so much for the world. I want to be that guy. And yet to be that person, there had to be millions more that set the stage. Moses doesn't exist without the midwives saving him. Moses doesn't exist without a faithful Levite man marrying a faithful Levite woman. Without faithfulness. I think about my story, and I'm no Moses by any means, but I think about where I'm at and, and, and the journey I've been on. I think about all the people that just had small acts of faithfulness 
that God could use in my life. Think about a guy named Josh Cruz who invited me to church eight times before I finally said yes. What if he would have stopped at six? I probably wouldn't be here, which means this church wouldn't be here. I think about this lady named Lori who was an older lady and she came to me before I knew anything about Jesus, before I even started attending church. And she said, hey, Ernest, I had a dream about you. I'm like, that's awkward. You're dreaming about me? She's like, I had a dream that you were gonna be a pastor. I'm like, I don't even know what that means or what that does, but it planted seeds. I think about this group of, of seventh grade boys that showed up to the very first community group I ever led. Guys like Kurt and Robert and Mike Surratt, our executive pastor. And I'm sure they showed up just to play like basketball and football or whatever. But the way they were doing it was giving me an opportunity to lead and to teach for the very first time. I think about people who moved out here to help start Front Range, people who sacrificed so much, like the Stickways and the Surratts and the Sharps and the Cloders and the Browns and the Dooleys and so many more people that said, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to just have small acts of faithfulness. You never know where that's going to lead and the impact that's going to have. And I hope and pray that my life, that I'm not seeking to be Moses or Gandalf, I can't grow a beard anyways, but I'm seeking to have small acts of faithfulness. What does God want from you? Like, I know for all of us, we want like the big things, right? Like we want to see like big miracles. We want to like be a part of healings and we want to be a part of like seeing marriages restored. And, you know, we, we want to be the person with great wisdom and a great singing voice. We want to be all of those things. Like a lot of us want to be those things, but I don't think God's looking for those people. God's not looking for heroes. He's simply looking for faithful people. He's looking for faithfulness. So what is your small act of faithfulness that you can take? What's your next small act of faithfulness that you can take in your life? Maybe for some of you, it's just staying committed to that relationship. Maybe there's a relationship that has gone south and you're gonna have to fight for it like counseling or hard conversations or whatever. And your small act of, faith, of faithfulness is just being committed, saying, I'm in. Maybe your small act of faithfulness involves sin. Maybe there's temptation to sin in your life and God's saying, your act of faithfulness is to run. Get away from this. Set up accountability partners. Put boundaries up. Whatever you need to do. But like get away from that because it's hindering who he wants you to be. Maybe your small act of faithfulness is joining us on this 21-day fast. Like maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Like maybe you've done it before, maybe you've never done it. Maybe you did it last year and you're like, I didn't really see any results. But God's like, just join us. Just small acts of faithfulness. Maybe your small act of faithfulness is just showing up here on a Sunday. I've talked to a bunch of people over the last few months that are just struggling in their faith. It's kind of in a hard place and like wondering, Man, is this whole thing real? Is God real? And just kind of struggling with things. And my encouragement to them is just show up. Just show up. Like it's really hard to let God move in your life if you don't show up. I would say it's impossible for God to move in your life if you don't show up. So maybe your small act of faithfulness is just being here on a Sunday. 
just choosing to come, even if like you have a hard time with the words, even if you have a hard time singing, even if you have a hard time believing what I'm saying, even if that, just show up. Because you're allowing God the opportunity to move in your life. What's your small act of faithfulness? Like we want the big things in life and I mean, I, goals are great and they'll move you forward and all of that, but what changes your life? What changes your faith? What changes your community? It's just being faithful. It's just taking one step today, committing one act of faithfulness today, and then tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and watching God move. And if we do that, our lives will be transformed, our faith will be transformed, and our community will be transformed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much. God, for your word, I thank you for the story of Exodus and just how powerful it is in our own story. And as we move through the Exodus story over the next few weeks, God, I pray you would just transform us. Just move powerfully in our lives. God, help us to know, to believe, and to live in such a way that we see that your promises never fail that you are a good and faithful God and that what you promise will come true and it might not be in our timing and it might not be in the way that we want we're going to trust that your faithfulness will come true that your promises will come true in our lives that you will be faithful no matter what and God for some of us maybe our next step our first act of of just being faithful, of first act of faith this year is just simply receiving what you've done for us. Now, for some of us, we walked into this place, and if we're being real honest, we'd say, man, we feel far from you. Our faith has been struggling. Maybe even in this message, God has been speaking to you that he loves you and he cares about you. And if you can't see the faithfulness of God in any other area of your life, just look to the cross. That God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. Why? Because we're all sinners. None of us are perfect. And our sin separates us from God. And that's probably why you felt this void. It's like, I mean, I can't feel God. I can't hear God. Sin does that. Yet today, God's saying, maybe your first act of faithfulness is just come home. Receive what Jesus has done for you. For some of us, that's a first-time commitment. We've never done that before. For others of us, it's a recommitment. Maybe we, did, we did that years ago or a year ago or months ago or whatever, but we just kind of been living your own life, doing your own thing. And God's saying today, just come home. Just take the small step of faithfulness today. Take this, the, the commit a small act of faithfulness today are receiving what Jesus has done for you. In fact, if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, man, Ernest, that's me. I walked into this place feeling far from the Lord or just distant in my relationship with him, but man, I want to come home today. I want to receive what Christ has done for me. I just want you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to raise a hand. Amen, 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 amen. Father, thank you so much for these individuals who are brave enough. Say, this is where I'm at right now watching at home, you can type, you can just text the word follow to number on the screen. And I, always, I just want you to know, like, God sees you. 
And if you're making that decision right now, the Bible says the angels are rejoicing because it's the greatest decision you could ever make. Not the easiest, and as a church, we'll walk with you, but it's the greatest decision you can ever make. And then God, for all of us, tell us what our next act of faithfulness is. God, as much as we want to do these huge things, Father, help us to just be faithful with where we are, faithful with what you've called us to do, with the next small step in front of us. And then God, use that to transform us, transform our community, our relationships, and to transform the world around us. In Jesus' name.